Good morning, everybody. Good to see you all and out in the uh, streaming world. Um, I want you to raise your hand if you enjoy mysteries. Anyone? Oh, we've got a few. That's great. Um, well, I enjoy them um, and I like them because they really reel you in and keep you on the edge of your seat until the revealing of who actually did it. Um, I saw the 2017 version of Murder on the Orient Express at the cinema and really enjoyed it. Funnily enough, I saw it a few years later and I couldn't remember the plot. Um, I don't know whether I'm going senile, but um, there's a bit of a spoiler alert. They all did it. But, um, but I want you to hold on to the thought about a mystery uh, because we're going to reveal a mystery at the end of this sermon. Um, so this sermon is the second in the One Another series. Um, certainly a privilege to bring you the word today. The uh, last time I preached at Coro was actually eight years ago. Um, so it seems like the treasurer doesn't get to preach very often, but that's probably not a bad thing. Um, I did offer to preach in this series, and I can't remember exactly um, why I offered, but uh, I did offer to preach on marriage. And um, so it fitted very nicely with this series. Um, Joe and I have been married for over 35 years, um, but I do still feel very inadequate when it comes to, to marriage. Um, and we're definitely far from perfect. Um, but I do believe that God has a very special purpose for marriage. And I really look forward to sharing with that um, with you today. Um, Dave, can you show that first slide? I've only got, I've only got two slides, but... I don't know if you can see that. I'm hoping you can. It's actually our wedding rings, Joe and my wedding ring. Um, both of them have got engraved on there, David and Joanne, the 27th of September, 1986. It's over 35 years ago. And it says, um, the verse is Ephesians 5, 21 to 33. Would you believe that's actually the passage I got to preach on today? And we've been carrying that on our rings for, for 35 years. 35 years um, it seems like um, that you know we've we've been carrying that on our rings for a purpose is it a coincidence maybe or it could be a purpose a demonstration of God's faithfulness to us uh, and to each one of us okay um, you can turn that off now Dave we'll get to the other slide later um, there's there's many books on marriage. Um, you could, I could spend hours just reading, or many hours reading books on marriage. Um, and in my view, I think society has also done a terrible job at trying to rewrite a definition of marriage. Um, and uh, you know, but I, what I want to do today is really um, a threefold aim. Uh, I think Grant's always told us to have, you know, at least three key messages. Uh, first of all, to provide a biblical ontological, as in the, the nature and being, the way God created marriage. Uh, I want to provide a practical working out of that, uh, not in an unattainable, unattainable way, um, but to, um, that you should try and achieve a perfect marriage. And thirdly, I want to show you how God's purpose is for marriage to reflect, to reflect Christ's marriage to his bride, the church been reading a book uh, by Ray Ortland, and the book's called uh, Marriage and the Mystery of the Gospel and he writes marriage is not a human in invention it is a divine revelation it is given to us at the beginning of all things as a brightly shining fixity or permanence of eternal significance 
We might not always live up to its grand, true grandeur. None of us does that perfectly, but we have no right to redefine it and we have every reason to revere it. So that's the basis. Um, the Bible is rich in marriage. Um, there's not just a few verses here and there on how to have a good marriage. Instead, the Bible begins and ends with the major theme of marriage. So the, the biblical love story begins on a grand scale. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1.1, and ends in an even grander scale. And then I saw a new heaven and earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, Revelation 21.1. So today I'm preaching everything from Genesis 1 to Revelation 21. So strap yourselves in, we might be here for a while. Um, but Genesis uh, shows man and woman united in marriage, created in God's image, and Revelation shows the ultimate marriage is Christ and the church. So let's step back first to Revelation, uh, sorry, to Genesis, and we'll talk about the creation story. In the creation recorded in Genesis 1, God creates the heavens and the earth, the day and the night, the land and the sea, and it was good. In Genesis 1.27, God created mankind in his own image. Male and female, he created them, and it was very good. And then in Genesis 2.16, God commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will surely die. And then in verse 18, we hear of the creation of woman. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. So out of something not good, God created something very good. Everything God created was good or very good. However, it was not good for Adam to be alone. God's true nature is love, a fundamental characterisation of his Trinitarian being. A perfect world of love makes Adam being alone unthinkable. And the verse where it says, I will make a helper suitable for him. Um, that helper does not imply inferiority, for God is our helper. If you read in Psalm 54.4, Surely God is my help. The Lord is uh, the one who sustain me, sustains me. Uh, nor does it imply dependence for man and woman are interdependent. 1 Corinthians 11, 11 to 12. In the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor man independent of the woman. And finally, God created woman for the man, 1 Corinthians 11, 9. So man, um, Adam, needed a companion like himself, yet unlike himself, a friend and ally he could depend on. The woman completed the man. Unified as head and helper, the man and woman together could prosper as noble servants of their creator, tending to the garden and the animals within it. This interplay between the male as head and the female as helper is a stroke of divine genius, the divine purpose in marriage. Um, in 1 Corinthians 11.3, it says, The head of every man is Christ. The head of, of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. The world and the devil are desperate to break down this um, 
patriarchal system as they have a problem with authority and we know that Christ will crush the serpent's head and Jesus is over all things. A helper fit for man asserts equal worth of the woman since both equally bear the divine image. The woman is not a man's property. The man and the woman need and benefit from each other mutually and their gifts and abilities differ even widely but to the advantage of each other. It saddens me that we live in a world that's so screwed up that a government official can't even answer a journalist's question, what is a woman, without going to a committee to try and work it out. Thankfully, there's been a few Christian politicians that were able to. But the the binaries in in Genesis are so important. Heaven and earth, sun and the moon, sea and dry land and so on, and they end up with male and female. It's all about God making complementary pairs which are meant to work together. In Genesis 2.24, a man shall leave his father and his mother. Parental claims must defer to the primacy of marriage. And this is why marriages where a husband is still directed by his mother or a wife who's still daddy's little girl often don't work out so well. A man's primary relationship should be with his wife alone as they start a new family together. And by marrying, a man joins himself to his wife at a profound level. He rejoices to identify with his wife, bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. A husband wholeheartedly devoted to his wife, loyal to his wife, steadfast to his wife and toward no other for life. One flesh is the biblical definition of marriage. One mortal life fully shared. All the boundaries between man and woman fall away and the married couple come together completely as long as they both live. It's not two individuals living their best independent lives together, fulfilling each other's dreams. It is one flesh, interdependent with a common purpose. And the man and his wife were both naked and they were not ashamed. Genesis 2.25. Naked, face to face, in a relationship of complete belonging and total vulnerability where they experienced full acceptance with no shaming. But in Genesis 3 we read of the fall of man. The serpent approached the, the woman with a lie. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Adam was a silent bystander, not acting in his role as head. So in the fall, the devil deceived the the wife to act as the head, but not as a wise head. And the husband acted as a helper, but not a wise helper. And it was the breakdown of these roles in marriage that broke everything. Their eyes were opened and they knew that they were naked. A painful self-awareness, the reversal of roles instigated by the devil, sought to undo the way marriage was created to be and beginning of the awareness 
shame and guilt of sin. And the devil continues to break down marriages, including Christian marriages, through that. So I want to bring us back to our passage. So if you've got your Bible there, you might want to open up to Ephesians 5. And um, I'll start with verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So that's our, I guess, our core verse today in, t- in the sense of being uh, the one another series. So submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This verse is addressed to all Christians and is the springboard for the instruction on submission and authority specific to a variety of relationships, including marriage, children and parents and employees and employers. Um, submit in the, the Greek is, is hupotasso, which there's, might be the Greek for the day, uh, which, mean, which means to arrange under, to subject oneself, to yield, to obey. It's the voluntary attitude of giving in, cooperating, assuming responsibility and carrying a burden. So it's a big word, submission, um, submission or hypotasso. Now, submitting to one another... Um, does not fit readily into a world we live in where our first instinct is not to submit, to build ourselves up, to think we are higher or better than others. But it would be very easy for us to fall into the trap to see this verse as an unattainable command that I somehow have to rev myself up for uh, and know in my um, and know in my own strength that I will fail regularly if you try and do it by revving yourself up to submit. So how are we able to submit to one another? Well, the answer is actually in the preceding verses. This is what I woke up at three o'clock in the morning for. So if you look at um, uh, verse fifteen to twenty, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not be drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with, with psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from the heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God for the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Imagine bringing that basis of, of living into your marriage, your relationship with your parents and your job. Living wisely, not being foolish, understanding the Lord's will for your life, being sober, being filled with the Spirit and exhibiting the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. And then meeting together and speaking, hearing the word and singing the word as we do. Giving thanks to God and doing it all in the name of Jesus. So if you come into a relationship um, filled with the spirit and living through that, all this stuff just opens up. We are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. We are filled with the spirit. And we exhibit the fruits of the Spirit, and the Spirit points us to Christ and the cross. We become thankful to God for everything, and out of this context, we, we can submit to one another. 
This submission to one another benefits the whole Christian community. Submit to one another out of the reverence to Christ. Christ was a servant. We should serve one another. Galatians 5.13 Remembering that Jesus washed the disciples' feet. Christ came as a saviour of the world not to be served, but to serve. Our submission to one another as as Christians is the question, how can I serve you as Christ serves the church? We do not serve one another to boost up our works or our self-worth, but in humility we build each other up out of reverence for Christ. So in that context of submission to one another, we, we go on to the next verse, 22, which is our passage on marriage. Verse 22, Wives, submit yourself to your own husbands as you do the Lord. Um, a wife's submission to her husband is difficult for many to accept today. It can seem old school, something our parents did, but not relevant for a modern marriage. We miss out on so much by trying to rewrite what marriage was created to be. But what does it mean to submit? For a wife, it's a Christ-like submission to your husband and no other. The Christ, um, the church's submission to Christ is not downtrodden, but a wonderful acceptance of our forgiveness through him. Do yourself a favour. Go home and read Proverbs 31, 10 to 31, regarding the wife of noble character. I haven't got time to read all that. But she is glorious and a resourceful and definitely not downtrodden woman. But the opposite of a submissive spirit is an insatiable demanding, I want this or I need that, a fault-finding resistance. You are not a good husband to me, for example. A fretfulness. But as to the Lord, a Christian's wife's submission is ultimately to the Lord. It is a sacred act of worship. Verse 23, For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the saviour. This creational pattern of head with helper the head taking responsibility and providing initiative, the helper supporting, encouraging and comforting, a wife's submissive heart towards her loving and faithful husband reflects this creational pattern. Naturally and appropriately, a wife will at times disagree with her husband. She will and should think for herself. She will ask questions, express her reservations and help her husband see a problem from, ev- from another angle. A wise husband will regularly seek his wife's insights, but it is ultimately respons- he is ultimately responsible to bear the burden as head. A wife's gentle and quiet spirit is God's, in God's sight is very precious, even if the husband doesn't appreciate it. Verse 24, now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. In everything doesn't give the husband the right to ask the wife to do whatever he asks her to, even to sin. No, it means there's no part um, of her life that she keeps from her husband, not keep out, you have no place in my life, 
To be one flesh in marriage is all-encompassing, a powerful display of the gospel, working out in a practical way. A Christian wife should always be asking herself, how can I represent to my husband something of the church's joyful submission to Christ who is our head? Verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle and uh, any other blemish, but holy and blameless. So to husbands, don't suppress your wife. Husbands should actively love your wife to radiance the way Christ loves the church so that he might present the church to himself in glory. You need to be intentional to love your wife. There's no higher calling for a Christian husband. To be a true head is to love as Christ loved, sacrificially, as a servant, giving yourself up for her, even to die for her. A Christian husband delights in her and prizes her. To love your wife is an intentional act for a husband. It is to tenderly love your wife above all others. Verse 28. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. Who who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. I'm not sure I've always... um, been very good with my body and feeding my body but um, it is important for us to uh, recall that um, we do need to uh, love our wives as as though we love our own bodies Uh, verse 30 as for um, for we are members of his body for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh Verse 31 is a reference to Genesis 2.24, which we read earlier. There is a leaving and a cleaving. We leave our parents' family and form a new family as one flesh. If you don't properly leave your parents, still live in their pockets, or they meddle in your marriage, it rarely ends well. Also, in the marriage, you become one flesh, not two individuals living your separate lives, seeking self-fulfillment to better yourself individually and when you get sick of that you can always find someone else you can see this one flesh in the pain of the men and women in this church who've lost their spouse in recent years it's like they've lost their other half and they just long for eternity when they'll be united with Christ and reunited with their spouse worshipping Christ together Verse 33, however, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. The man is called to love his wife as he loves himself. Interestingly, the wife is not called to obey her husband. Children and employers are called to obey their parents and their masters, but wives are not called to obey their husbands. Um, Dave, you can play that video now if you like. If you if you can. Hi David, take you enjoying the 
do my life, to have and to hold from this day forward, to share my faith in Christ and to make my home with you. For better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, I love from the church to be a part of my death. Before God, I pledge you my faithfulness. I, Diane, got you, David, according to God's holy word, to be my husband. Having to hold from this day forward, to share my faith in Christ, and to make my home with you. The better for worse, the richer for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love, cherish, and obey, and to live Christ Before God, I give you my faithfulness. Brings tears to my eyes. Um, all I know from that is that Joe still looks the same, and I, I used to have hair. But, um, but in our wedding, wedding, we actually memorised our vows rather than repeating them after the minister, which I think is pretty rare these days. Um, but I'm glad we did because we still rem- remember them today. I, I think when I, I remember them today, but I'm a bit like that. Um, I do regret a bit that Joe's vows to me were to love, honour and obey, but thankfully I don't ever recall pointing back to her vows and demanding her to obey me. Um, I don't think that would have ended well. (laughs) But men, if you find yourself ever uttering those words, you must obey me, then I think you should repent and stop doing that. Instead, love her unconditionally as Christ loves the church. Instead, wives are called to respect their husbands and Respect is earned through the gentleness of a loving husband who's willing to lay down everything for his wife. Marriages can fail for a myriad of reasons. Domestic violence, uh, physical and mental is rife. And if if a partner is unfaithful, many marriages will fail. And but no marriages are perfect. But it certainly struck me when I was preparing for this sermon how important marriage is, a reflection of the faithfulness of the Father and Christ to his bride, the church. Before God, I pledge you my faithfulness is the final line of our vows. I've been a Christian for 46 years and God has remained faithful to me. He's faithful to all of us. We're not always faithful to him, but I thank him that has kept me faithful to him by by his spirit. Hebrews says it very well and encourage us to remain faithful to Christ. Hebrews 10. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Certainly over the last few years of COVID restrictions, a number of our congregation have stayed away from meeting together for good reason, and we've been able to support them with online services and more recently streaming. Still others have stopped coming altogether. 
As we eventually come out of COVID restrictions, I encourage you all to keep meeting together. And Christ has remained faithful to us, and I pray that we all remain faithful to him. But what if you're single? Either you're not married or no longer married, or you're a widow or a widower. Is none of this that I've just shared relevant to you? Have I just wasted 30 minutes of your life listening to me? No, not at all. You have an important role in the body of Christ to act as a head to encourage others, to act as a helper to serve others in the church. Don't ever underestimate the value that you bring to others by serving and loving them. Remember the verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence of Christ. So what about this mystery that I mentioned at the beginning? Back to verse 32. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. The fact is that if we're Christians collectively, whether we're single, married, divorced or widowed, we are the bride of Christ to our husband, Christ our Saviour. In a marriage, both the husband and the wife are collectively the bride of Christ. And together we respect Christ as a loving head and husband who laid down his life for his bride. Husbands, the submission of your wife in your marriage is a foretaste of our submission together to our husband Jesus. Just as God had a plan in the beginning for man and woman to be married, he also had a forward-looking plan to the end when his own son, Christ, the bridegroom, would be united with the church, his bride. It is a profound mystery. 1 Corinthians 13, 12. For now we see only a reflection in a mirror, but then we will see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And in Colossians 3 it says, Since then you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you'll also appear with him in glory. So... I just want to finish with some passages from Revelation on the wedding feast. The bride, the church and the bridegroom Christ and the wedding reception playing out in heaven. Now, I don't actually have a video of that to show you. But I am going to ask you to close your eyes now just for three minutes. Don't go to sleep. Um, And by the spirit, I want you to set your minds on the things above and just imagine this. So just close your eyes. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, both great and small. And then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Alleluia! For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. 
fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. And then the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. I did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God lights its light, gives its light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendour into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be, for there is no night there. The glory and honour of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does not does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Amen. Well, I trust that I've been faithful to the Word of God today in sharing you with you what I believe is God's purpose for marriage uh, and submitting to one another. I don't want you to go home thinking today that you've failed in your marriage. They're not meant to be perfect. There's only one perfect marriage. That's the church and Christ. Make Christ the centre of your marriage and do it all in the spirit. Husbands, do do be intentional to love your wife as Christ loves the church and earn the respect of your wives. Wives, submit yourself to your own husband as you do the Lord. And in all these things, submit yourself to one another out of reverence for Christ. I thank the Heavenly Father for my marriage to Joe and our faithfulness to one another. I also thank Christ for the church's eternal marriage to him and his faithfulness to us. I encourage you to eagerly await the day the church, his bride, is united with Christ, our bridegroom, and the blessing that that will bring. Amen.